When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. My guest today is a redheaded, tatted yogi who was on a path to self-discovery before she ever landed in the adult industry. She is one half of the Online Forever podcast, and I am so excited to talk to the beautiful Sydney Summers today. Yay, I'm so excited to talk to you. So um, I do want to get you know get into the origin story, but um, the Online Forever title mm-hmm. is really interesting uh-huh can you tell me kind of like what that means I, does it mean i guess what i think it means it means what you think it means although it has morphed in the you know we've done the podcast for like a year and it's mm-hmm. already changed a lot semantically to us i think but yeah Susie, my co-host came up with that like long ago she had sort of a vision for mm-hmm. this podcast mostly because Oh, the first question you get asked a lot when you're in the adult industry is like, "How are you sure you want to be online forever? Like, that's yeah, what's going to happen to you, and it is what happens to you." So absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, exploring what that means to different people and how they feel about it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, since we're on this train, we may as well start with talking about your podcast. So, um, what made you decide to start one? You know being honest I guess the honest answer is I wanted another route of uh, content to maybe go viral with but Mm -hmm. I also am just so grateful now to have the outlet to express myself and have something going on outside of the adult industry which is I think so important Mm -hmm. to me anyway yeah I'm very grateful for it and 
yeah, I'm really excited to see where it goes. It's still pretty new, but yeah, yeah. Susie, like, I think I tweeted something about like, oh, I want to start a podcast, and Susie was like, saw it and messaged me immediately. She was like, I've wanted to do this for a long time. Like, let's go. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Susie, Susie Staller. Okay, all right. Yeah, she's my to... my co-host. Yeah. Okay, because mm-hmm. we want to make sure we get the the full name out there. There's yes. a couple Susies out there, so I want to yes. make sure I was thinking the right <laughs> same person. So, how has the your experience with the podcast been so far? <laughs> it's been up and down. We had a really um, weird last year. Had a lot of um, had a lot of pit stops along the way, I guess. But this season, we're about to start releasing our third season, and it feels like we are finally starting to get our feet under us and have a bit of the process smoothed out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a lot more work than people realize. Like mm-hmm. one of the you know kind of insully weird lame comments we get a lot is like oh like we should start a podcast like like as though anyone can just do it which we're like yes anyone can start a podcast and anyone should but it's not that easy like Mm -hmm. it's way harder than anyone thinks it is yeah especially at first yeah because you have to find your rhythm you have to figure out like what you are I mean it's kind of like finding your niche in sex work too right Mm -hmm. like you can't just no immediately yeah like you got to kind of feel out what makes sense for you what Mm -hmm. your fans respond to but I think like podcasts are a great avenue for people. It's good for branding, whether or not, mm-hmm. you know, it ends up being like monetarily successful. And it's a good opportunity to, you know, get another side of you out there, right? Mm-hmm. Because performing is is great, but it's just that, right? It's right. Performing, you don't really get to say what you think. Yes. And it doesn't really give a clue to your personality and you know, who you are as a person. Yeah. We talk a lot about how podcasts are strangely more intimate than having sex on camera. Yeah. There's something way more intimate and intimidating about it in a way. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me like what the structure of your podcast is. Is it just the two of you talking? Do you have specific topics? Do you have guests? We have guests. I think we really, well, I think we shine in our interviews, but we get asked, we've been asked to do a lot more like one-on-one episodes of us just, you know, talking about girly things Mm -hmm. and being girls and being silly mm-hmm. um we are we are we're haters a little bit we like to we like to um throw some shade a little bit okay. of shade here and there is always nice <laughs> calling people out and whatnot and yeah we mostly ask we've had a lot more comedians on this year we're kind of getting into i think we both kind of want some like paranormal people on the podcast we're both really into the paranormal so yeah it's it's branching out in strange new ways but it is the the unifying principle is kind of the permanency of the internet and like how that impacts people's lives and how people made it on the internet and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now this may be um, a little bit too early of a question um, <laughs> since I'm, I'm going on on Friday, but who have your, some of your favorite guests been so far? Loved Dredd. He was amazing. <laughs> yes. Mar- and Holly's- Marsha got my joke. <laughs> Holly's coming on on Friday. I'm so excited. So after I come on, I will be in this list Obviously. is what I'm saying. Obviously, the top slot will be filled. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm going to try not to interview you during this interview, which is sort of my habits as a podcast guest, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing. Right. But I also love talking about myself. So you're, you're free save to Save it up. So. Save it up. <laughs> okay, so Dread Loved Dread. He was, so I will say I've had Dread on as well. And men typically do not perform well on my podcast, no. like at all, because my no. audience is 96% men and they want to hear from the women. Like mm. they almost, like guys just tend to 
hang. I still have them on because I think it's important to have a different perspective. But numbers mm-hmm. wise, like people are generally not interested in them. That's so interesting. Dread was one of my most popular interviews. Oh, people want to know. People are obsessed with him. Yeah. He like completely. He's a total exception to the rule. Yes. Like people understand love dread. I mean, he he has the the whole package in every every sense of the word. For and sure. he's so lovely and humble and and nice and well spoken yes. and like great storyteller. Yeah, like he's great. Yeah, he's, he's really, really like funky guy. Yeah. So yes, we we love dread. Um, we love the comedians we've had on. We we just had on Che Arena. I don't know if you know him. Mm-mm. He was a great interview. That's coming out. Um, probably our first interview of this new season. And who else? I'm trying to think of other performers. Kira Noir was uh, amazing. She's amazing. She's coming back to the podcast actually. Oh, end love. Of this month. I will be watching. That I've had time. her. I had her on, but that was a long time ago. So mm-hmm. she probably has lots more to say. Yes, <laughs> it's been it's been many years since she's been on. So and we had we had Lena Paul on, and she's also just like oh the she's best. great. She's so smart and oh, like I know. so well educated and has really interesting yes um viewpoints yeah i i've had her on twice as well and both of them were killer episodes. yes and she she announced her pregnancy on our episode which was so i didn't know she was pregnant she had the baby oh my god the baby is here he's amazing oh my god i'll have to text her that's so so great she's gonna be a good mom i know she's she's like this shit is easy she's like everyone tells me it's hard now she's like i got it in the bag i'm like i love that for you (laughs) having a baby yeah Wait till it's a toddler. You just... My daughter's three. The storm is coming, Lena. (laughs) So those are like some really impressive guests. Yeah, we've we've had some good folks and yeah, can't wait to have more. Really exciting. (laughs) What has been um, one of the like best things about your podcast, like for you, like personally? Um, I think that podcasting is one of several like routes of performance in my life that have really helped me process the like um this is such an intense way to put it but like the self-hatred of performance like I don't know if you experienced that but it like I've always had that especially it was worse when I was younger um when I would do I did like a lot of improv when I was a kid and after the show like we the whole troupe would just like we really felt bad about ourselves if like the show was bad or something like mm-hmm. that instead of just like leaving it in the past and moving mm-hmm. on and the podcast like listening to yourself back over and over again and like growing as a person while you're setting yourself in stone in this recording that people can listen to for mm-hmm. years like I think it can be hard but it's a great lesson in accepting your past self and mm-hmm. being forgiving towards her and loving her too even though maybe you're different from her <laughs> yeah I definitely um read comments left on you know episodes I did six years ago and I'm just like and I'm like still offended even though like that doesn't apply right? anymore because I know I've grown and improved as an interviewer since then mm-hmm. but I'm I'm still like get mad and that negativity negativity bias of reading the the shitty comments and then yeah. those ones standing out it's so annoying yeah it's so annoying it's so yeah. good to process that stuff but it's yeah. hard it's a lot of work you can also just get to a point in your life where i am generally where i just don't read them mm, comments so you amen. can say whatever you want i don't see it i don't care it's not actually true i read some of them but a lot of them i don't read so there you go so, um, all right. So let's rewind okay. and let's go back to the beginning. 
So normally I start with, you know, questions of how my guests got into the adult industry, but you did some things before getting into the industry that I want to get into first because they're so interesting. Um, so random. Starting with your time <laughs> in wilderness camps. Yes. How did you get into that and what was that like? So I started as a field guide at, for wilderness therapy programs when I was 24. It was kind of my get out of my home state card. Mm -hmm. I knew a few people who had done it and I knew that it was a way to go live outside basically full time, which was very appealing to me. And, you know, I, they say in those programs, a lot of the people that are called to teach at them have a lot of work they need to do on themselves and are attracted to these therapy programs because they're benefiting from them too, which is so true. And yeah, I worked at a, I worked at a program that I thought was very lovely and was very beneficial for the kids there but obviously the industry has caught a lot of flack especially recently I think um Paris Hilton's documentary was a big um uh, really amplified like the voices of people who have been really harmed by some of the camps because it's mm -hmm. a really deregulated industry mm. which is a big issue obviously mm -hmm. you're holding minors at like camps mm -hmm. like gotta <laughs> I don't know it, sh it should be more regulated but I loved the program I worked for. Um, it's it's a program where they really emphasized natural consequences as opposed to programs that are what's called behavioral modification. Mm -hmm. So at those programs, they do like rewards and punishments for different behaviors that the kids do. But at our program, they were really strong about um, basically letting the kids behave how they want mm -hmm. and then letting the natural consequences of the group and of being outside all the time like kind of handle the rewards and punishments instead of like taking that on yourself and that was very interesting for me because I wasn't really raised like that you know mm -hmm. so it was really cool to see how that sense of responsibility was really just instilled in these kids and it made them really want to be good people intrinsically instead of like forcing them to act mm -hmm. a certain way so like how do you mean so like say that so the program kind of works like most days you're hiking to like a new spot. It's a nomadic program. There's not like a home base. So say you leave camp really late one day because a kid is like, like doesn't want to hike. They're like throwing a tantrum and they're like, I'm not hiking today. So then the whole camp gets to, the whole group gets to camp like hours late, maybe in the middle of the night when you're not supposed to get there. Maybe you can't find your food because of that. And then everyone's like kind of mad at this kid. So they're like, you could have just cooperated. But instead you're just going to fucking leave him there. <laughs> I mean, that's Later. a natural consequence. Like, bye. <laughs> what happened to uh, Amanda? She got eaten by a mountain lion. Natural consequence. I left her behind. She had it coming. She had it coming. Hey, you know, <laughs> nature. What can you do? <laughs> but yeah, and you know, nature. They say that nature is like ninety percent of the program, so that takes a lot of the responsibility off the staff to like be this perfect person it's like you just need to like show up be the best that you can be and like being outside and being in this peaceful place and being kind of forced to reflect on yourself when you don't have all these like distractions of mm -hmm. everyday life like it's just it was so good for the kids like it was such a rewarding job like really the most rewarding job I think I've ever had where you just see people change so quickly yeah and like really become a part of a community yeah cool. that's really great yeah do you have any like crazy stories from that camp Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, so, oh, God. Definitely, like, I had, like, one student that stands out as, like, for sure the wildest. It was, like, one of my very last shifts. And she, like, 
came in guns blazing. It was a kid who had been to like more than 10 programs before this, like really struggled and had not found one that had been helpful. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of at the point where you're like, why do her parents keep sending her to camps at this point? Mm -hmm. Like, but she seemed to change a lot during our program. That being said, this story kind of negates that a little bit. But <laughs> when she showed up, she definitely like weaponized her bloody tampon, which was new one for me. She like took it out, threw it at staff. Like that was wild. I was like, oh my God. And she like calmed down a lot during the course of her stay. But this is so, this is so insane. Okay. So we get like fresh food uh, once or twice a week. I can't remember oh, how often. Fuck, dude, I know and where this is going. You know where it's going. But did you know that it's a jalapeno? It's not a cucumber. It's not a carrot. It's a jalapeno. So, yeah, basically, this kid used this jalapeno to masturbate. And the staff found out about it and they were like, wait, no, that that's not where oh, I thought it was going. Where I thought it was going. I thought that's where it went. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> Tell your, let me not try to predict what you're going to say. Tell your story because that is not. <laughs> so, that I, happened once. And then we were like, don't do that. And then okay, we... so hold on. Okay. Hold on. Okay, because I was picturing like she was putting tampons in the food. <laughs> That's where I thought you were going. But clearly, no, you were not going there at all. So fresh food, she decides to masturbate with a jalapeno. Yeah. And we were like, don't. Did she like put it back? Like, how did you know? I, kn- I know because she told one of the other students and the students told us. Because they were like, this sounds dangerous. And we were like, that is probably dangerous. Did she put it, like, back in the food? So they, you all get, like, your own fresh produce and you, like, keep it in your backpack, right? And you can, like, eat it throughout the week if you save it. Or you can eat it all at once. You know, it's kind of your and decision. And then starve consequences. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she used it to masturbate again after that. Like, it was like she was about to leave the program and I think she was, like maybe acting out a little bit like was nervous but she it it broke inside of her this was on my shift we were supposed to do this really cool hike that day where we were going to these like ruins and instead we had to like wait for a douche to be delivered to our group in the middle of the desert because she was like freaking out like there were seeds inside of her it was it was it was insane (laughs) truly insane god we talk about like spicy content You know, like when we want to say that, like something's on your OnlyFans, but you can't say OnlyFans because you're on fucking Instagram. You're like, check out my spicy page with a jalapeno. Like that girl literally was very literal about that. Oh my god! I also I had this awesome shift. It was like all it was the adult group, which they're still really young. They're just over eighteen, but it was all girls. And like I think like a couple days in, we all realized that everyone in the group was like either gay or bisexual and I didn't know this till after my shift but all of the girls were like hooking up at night I was like guys you weren't supposed to be doing that that's bad <laughs> but also I would have done the same thing at your age <laughs> wow yeah yeah Man. what a year that, that jalapeno story was I did not that was not what I thought no one saw that one coming wow <laughs> So um, after that, you ended up spending some time at a monastery. Is that right? Yes. Actually, like right after that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like tell me how that came to be. So yeah, I was definitely on my, you know, my own journey during that time. And I was reading a lot of like self-help books and a lot about Buddhism and stuff. And I read this book written by a monk who had a monastery in Spokane, Washington. And I was like, oh, I didn't know there were, like, monasteries in the Mm -hmm. States. I thought they were all, like, you know, in Asia or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I guess you can just go live in a monastery. And then that idea, like, really embedded itself in my head. 
Um, so I went after Utah, I went up to Washington, like right off the coast and worked at this um, resort there for a while uh, teaching yoga. It was so fun. And then I got enough money to go stay at this monastery in Oregon for a while. And it was awesome. I've been back a few times since. And I, you know, I, I, I brought that up in, when you were like, is there anything you want to talk about? Because I, I've been like processing a lot of, I think, the behaviors and, you know, like coping mechanisms I picked up during the pandemic. And I realized I was like, I think I would literally be a monk right now if it weren't for the pandemic happening, which is so funny to me because now I do porn. <laughs> Just like the opposite. It's kind of the opposite. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, like, tell me a little bit about this monastery. Tell us about like what your day-to-day routine was like. Okay. So you're quiet till noon. No one talks, which I loved so much. Uh, you wake up really early, like 435. Mm-hmm go to the zendo which is the like chapel basically of the Mm -hmm. monastery it's like this beautiful room everyone's quiet you meditate for like two straight hours in the morning just sit there you don't move no one moves do you get to eat do you get to eat first what about coffee do they have coffee okay i always got coffee first because i you're not allowed to yawn you're not allowed to fall asleep and you know it kind of allowed to yawn. you kind of can't really stop yawning like yawning happens the older monks like i i would see it almost happen to them sometimes but then they like swallow it they'd be like and i was like okay i guess it's like it's just an old tradition but i guess it's like rude to yawn and i'm like okay i get that and also it's contagious right but i'm like it is 4 a.m so yeah okay (laughs) but yeah i would have some like tea before so i could wake up a little bit because it sucks when you like want to meditate for a, a long period of time and then the whole time you're just like thinking about other stuff like it's nice to have a little caffeine so you can yeah. at least give it your best yeah, yeah yeah but yeah then we would do chores and the chores could be anything from like cleaning to working in the garden and then we would eat lunch and we could talk and then we would do more chores and then we would go to like a lecture or something and then meditate more in the evening go to sleep at like 10 so not a lot of sleep you got to get a nap in there during the day I did um and then there's like a silent retreat once a month at this place so there's like a week of every month where you're like totally quiet Mm -hmm. and it's not just that you're quiet I didn't know this but they like put paper over all the mirrors all the clocks you couldn't make eye contact with anyone so you're like totally in your own zone like all the way in your own head Hmm. Uh uh-huh the eye contact thing is a little bit weird to it's me. It's strange, the right? The mirrors, I get Uh huh. The eye contact, I guess, is like, you're just, like, I know that it's, like, silence is, like, speaking, but you still, I feel like, communicate with other people with your eyes, you know? Yeah. So maybe that's part of it. I'm not sure, but. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I mean, obviously, you really enjoyed it. Yeah. What about that appealed to you? <sighs> you know, I, I. I'm so drawn towards like simplicity and I feel like this part of me I've like finally come to terms with but I've always just like wanted to be a person that existed like a hundred thousand years ago like a monkey like not in this modern day society and I've like I feel like I've finally yeah come to terms with the fact that I live in 2024 and there's nothing I can really do about that but who knows maybe it's like a past life maybe it's just some weird personality trait of mine but I don't know I and I've always been drawn to like a non non traditional lifestyles. So yeah, I just 
I loved being there. It was like one of my first experiences where I didn't feel like I had to be like the funniest person or the smartest person in the room. Like everyone's just there to like better themselves and be spiritual and Mm -hmm. relax and yeah, learn stuff. So it was just a beautiful environment. It was a great community. Like it's really hard to find community, I think, in this day and age. And it was like everyone there's there for the same purpose. You're like all on the same schedule. And yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. <laughs> Interesting. So what are your views on like religion and spirituality and God? I mean, do you believe in a God? I, I definitely believe in a higher power. I think that religion is kind of like a weirdly bastardized like human way of trying to understand something that is extremely mysterious by nature. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone who claims to know what that great mystery is or what its name is I'm just like skeptical of a bit Mm -hmm. so maybe the institution of religion I find kind of suspicious Mm -hmm. but I I am really spiritual and I I think that all religions have a kernel of like really beautiful spirituality to them it's just they yeah they can get a little weird when humans try to like act like they know what's going on Mm -hmm. you know and use them to control other people exactly and like benefit themselves yeah which we see a lot of yes so how do you incorporate spirituality into your day-to-day life? Um, I, I really try to mimic a lot of like the monastery in my day-to-day life. Like I'm really, I, I live alone and I love my solitude and I love journaling and I still meditate a lot. And just, I, I really want to have like a very clear mind that is um, able to like receive big ideas and big messages, you know, and it's, it's really hard to do that when you work in social media primarily because I feel like social media really, um, cl- yeah, it's just very cluttering. Yeah, internally. it's a lot of noise. Yes, exactly. So constantly trying to s- seek that balance because I definitely, I mean, I love dopamine as much as the next person. I love a good scroll and I find it so addictive and um, I really try to like minimize that in my life, sometimes successfully, sometimes less so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an interesting new challenge that we face. Yeah. You know, because before, you know, the worst thing that you could do was like watch a lot of TV, but even then you'd have to be home to do that. You'd mm. have to be present in the world when you were out in your car or out at the streets or at the grocery store. And now it's like you can be it, disconnected everywhere. from the world at all times. So true. Especially if you get the new fucking Apple, the Apple, 15. the Apple Vision glass. No, the oh, Apple the, Vision glass. Oh my god, yes, with the battery pack. Which, yes. by the way, I tried out a couple of days. They had, they had it at our office, and uh, you can literally walk around with that thing because you know it's AR. You can see, and you can like not, you can like not what? be in this world at all. Like you can walk around, you wow. can see things, right? So you won't run into shit, but you can also have like your desktop up here and like a movie playing here. Like you can be fully disconnected from reality. If you Perma man cave. That's insane. Yeah, I had this therapist say something really interesting to me once because we were talking about how phones are like portals essentially. And she said something like, oh yeah, the magician never wants to get lost in his own portal. And I was like, oh, that's such an interesting way to think about phones. Yeah. You know? And and working in social media. Yeah. And yeah. carrying it around all the time. And Yeah. Yeah, don't get high on your own supply. Uh-huh. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We all know Adam and Eve is the one-stop shop for everything sexy. And now, with my code HOLLY, you can get any one item for 50% off, plus 10 free gifts. And you'll even get free shipping. So spice up your sex life at AdamandEve.com, but only if you use code HOLLY. Um, how did all of this self-exploration, spirituality lead you into getting into porn? So after the monastery, I it was my first time my, my bank account was in the negatives. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to take a little trip back home and make some money. And then my plan was to go travel again and go become a monk, basically. So I went back home and my friend, I, I kept trying to find a job and I only I had this job at a bakery it was like so bad I wasn't making any money and I was living with my mom and I was just like why did I come back home and then my friend showed me how much she was making at the strip club and I was like holy shit I should do this for a little bit and make some money and then go off and do whatever I want and yeah I was pretty I was pretty good at stripping I like became the top earner at this club which was awesome so I you mentioned before that you were teaching yoga so Uh obviously you had like you know, body awareness. And yes. you're like, you're like a contortionist, right? Yes. So a baby and, contortionist. Yes. So you were a baby contortionist. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, a, it's a new adventure in my life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but was that, did you have that before you went into the strip club or? Yes. I, I did have like a really good yoga foundation and obviously being flexible is very sexual to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So that was really helpful. And I've been on stage for forever. So I was pretty comfortable like dancing and stuff like that. Um, the, the whole sales mentality was new to me, but, um, I read some like how to be a stripper like articles and I was like, okay, I think I can, I think I could get this. And yeah. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. So I was like, all the clubs shut down Mm -hmm. and then I had just made my OnlyFans. So that was sort of the segue. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, tell us about your journey into actually like doing scenes with people. So I, um, do you know Emma Magnolia? Of course, we've had yes. her on this show. Yes. So we kind of were like intense coming up together buddies in porn back in Arkansas, where we're from. Um, so we were like always living right next to each other. And we just got into it together, which was so nice to like have a close friend, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having to figure it all out by yourself. But yeah, she was the stripper who showed me the. Oh, okay. So, Emma. Yes. Who was stripping so that she could support her nonprofit. Which I also worked for. Yes. Yeah. So So I was like delivering the needles with her and stripping and yeah. See, everybody, it is a true story. It's it's a true story. I've had people have been like, this is not true. People aren't that wonderful. That would be such a weird story to make up. (laughs) Uh, It would be, but it wouldn't be probably the first. first. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm here to uh, verify. (laughs) But yeah. So yeah, we started doing OnlyFans together and just figuring out all the marketing. And I had not been on social media for like years before that. So that was weird to like get back on and suddenly Mm -hmm. become like kind of dependent on it. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And so your first scene was with her, I assume? My first scene was with her. Yeah. It was like a, I was a, I was a student in her class. And I was always kind of baby and Emma was more kind of like mommy dommy situation. Uh-huh. That was sort of our dynamic back then. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like passing notes in this class and she had to punish me. Yeah, that was mm. my first ever technical scene. 
And I assume like you knew you liked girls before that happened. Yeah, for sure. Always liked girls. So you always knew. Yeah. Like a discovery moment. Yeah. Do you consider yourself bi or do you like, 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 do you, or do you have a preference on whether or not you date men or women or are you kind of pansexual? (sighs) Yeah. Kind, kind of pansexual is accurate. Like I, definitely have the whole bi girl like bipolar thing where it's like reactionary sexuality almost mm-hmm. like oh this man broke my heart I hate men now now I have to like date women and then mm-hmm. women but women broke break my heart and then blah 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 but I don't know I'm kind of I'm kind of on men right now like they're being bastards as always so I'm also like I'm like oh I want to date a girl again too but I also kind of like want to be a housewife with a husband and baby so I don't know what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on basically yeah <laughs> yeah What's the wonderful journey we call life? <laughs> so you've had some porn injuries, is I, that I, right? Yeah. Just tell us about what happened. We oh love God. we love a good scary story. It, it, it was it was pretty scary. Um, yeah. So my my second scene I did with Brazzers was like a threesome that filmed so late into the night. Everyone was just getting uncoordinated and tired and mooky, you know. And yeah, the the guy in the scene, Van Wild, he was um, he was like holding. Okay, it was him and Demi Sutra. Mm. He was holding her hands while he was like fucking her doggy style mm-hmm. while she was eating me out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're visualizing this, and he kind of like I guess just pumped a little too hard, reared back a little too much, and Demi came up like at least a foot, and then like fully dropped down teeth first like into my pussy <laughs> it was so scary and I did like it was like a guy getting kicked in the balls I was like oh and just like rolled over like while we were filming I was like no 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 this is not happening there was blood there was blood and and literal hair in Demi's teeth like it was <laughs> so fucked up the director was like god damn it because it was like almost midnight at this point like yeah. we were just trying to get it over with yeah yeah i've been there i've been there <laughs> but yeah it was really crazy because like after we stopped the bleeding it, there was a little cut it was kind of in my pubes so we were like okay we can keep going but the next day was like basically healed it was like mm. the pussy juice just magical <laughs> potion <laughs> That is a unique injury. I have not experienced anything specifically oh, like God. that. I would not wish it on anyone. I've had like, you know, the ones where like you bend the dick the wrong way oh. or break the bed or accidentally oh. go in the wrong hole. Those are fun. <laughs> but yeah, that's a very it's a very unique porn injury. Bent dicks are just Yeah, man. I w- I hope that never happens anywhere near me. Yeah. I yeah, don't like the sound of that. No. No. I, I can't imagine what that would be uh-uh. like. <laughs> and it can be permanent, you know? It, cost, it can cause yeah, permanent yeah, I know, no, no, no. I know guys that have, like, broken their dick. For real, for real. Yeah, for Ugh. real. Um, You have mentioned before that you were addicted to anal clean <laughs> I, ha- I have mentioned this. Can you, can you explain this to us? <laughs> I'm kind of off the sauce at the moment. Oh, I, I haven't even mentioned this, but I did move this weekend, actually. I actually showed up for this podcast, like, two hours early. I've, like, been in the valley for a minute because my brain is just, like, super scattered right now. But anyway, I say this because I don't have my anal douche at my new house yet. So I'm not anal douching at the moment. Okay. But if if I'm with a guy who likes anal, I just, I love for it to be clean. What can I say? And I want it to happen all the time. I don't know why I do this weird thing where I like 
douche but I don't tell them and I just hope when we hang out that we have anal but I'm not like you know what I mean I'm not like douching and then being like my ass is clean let's do it I'm just like what if my ass was mysteriously clean and we just happened to have what if I was just ready for anal (laughs) all the time (laughs) I remember like okay this is kind of a random aside but you know like Kirsten Price and Kieran Lee they've been married forever right I remember when they like first started dating I she filled in for me last minute for somebody and I forget how it came up, but it was something like she was already shaved and ready to go. And I was like, damn, are you like, <laughs> how? you're always like this? And she was like, yeah, I like always, basically, she's like, I always like to be like ready for Kieran. And I was like, wow. Who does that? Wow. I'm like, <laughs> dream woman, robot woman. Yeah, I know. I was like, damn. Kieran, you got very lucky. You have a lovely wife. <laughs> Only she can put up with your bullshit. <laughs> We love you. You know we do. <laughs> I think it, it does speak to kind of the – it is lovely to have a hygiene routine with porn. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the greatest parts of the industry, of being in the sex industry in general to me. I was not the most hygienic girl before I became a stripper. And then I was forced to be and I was like, I get it now. I kind of like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean you learn so much about your own body. Yes, for real. Which is, you know, really – I mean it's a very educational journey. Indeed. And you learn that it, like what works for you may not work for somebody else. You mm-hmm. know, it's like there's no like one blanket – statement where it's like okay this is like that's why i'm always kind of cautionary about doing a kind of psa when i'm like girls this is how you should clean out your vagina or your mm-hmm. butt because it's different for every girl and what yes. works for one girl can give another girl a yeast infection yes and it's like you just gotta like try the different things and see what makes sense for you yeah anal prep is so individualized but i love hearing about people's routines i'm like what do you do how do you do it i will say like <laughs> i get colonics from time to time oh, not so often anymore but they are Awesome. It's the most uncomfortable 45 minutes of your life. What's uncomfortable about it? What the the physical sensation? Yes. Uh-huh. That they're like pumping all this water up your colon. It's awful. I hate it. Oh, God. I want to. I want to. Like I've, never, I've never had one. Oh, you have But I want. I have my shower enema. Okay. But I want to try a colonic. Yes. No, you got to do the colonic. Yeah. Because they're like, I mean. All the way up in yeah, there. Yeah. It's terrible. Oh. It's awful. <laughs> they basically like have you. You and you kind of like let them know, like you go for as long as you can, and then you let them know when they you need. You're tapping out. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Basically, you tap out. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's horrible, but they like get shit small, literally. That's like up there. You're yeah. Like, what the fuck? It's not, and they can like look at it and tell you, like if you're what you're eating, like if you drink enough, like if you drink too much alcohol, like it's bizarre. Like they just, <sighs> it's like. <laughs> It's like tea leaves. They like read your shit, like coming. Oh my god, I love tube that. And, like somehow, like know everything about you. It's really bizarre. <laughs> wow, I feel like I would be great at that job. Honestly, I feel like I would enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to like. It's one of those things where it's so uncomfortable for the person at the time. So you have to like make soothe good, them. small talk, mm. and then you like massage their stomach. And then you also like take a magic wand to like their legs. Because oh, it's really? something, you, yeah, it's like you want to like massage the legs because that helps. Relaxes like, or something? Yeah, I don't know. It helps it like go through. I don't know. They oh, just my God. Fucking magic wand to your legs. I don't know. It's very bizarre. Oh, I love that. But it's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, so with your Zen, yoga, wilderness background and, and all of this, <laughs> do you feel like you've carved out a niche of fans that are specifically into like those facets of your personality? Like mm. what is your like online porn persona, I guess? Oh, that's a really good question. Like, I I feel like there is like a niche of women in the industry who we just uh, interviewed Indica Flower, you know, Mm -hmm. her like she reminds me of that of like people who just kind of have that healing energy have like 
And they say like people who have had like intense experiences in childhood, even though it's painful, they become like the best healers. And I do think that men are really drawn to that. Men in particular, like love that sort of maternal caring, like I understand you, empathy sort of a bless you. Sorry. You were trying so so hard. hard. (laughs) Sorry. It's allergies, people. It's big allergy time here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that is uh, an, an appeal to my fans. And I, I think that I fuck in a very, like, almost maternal way, you know? Mm, I, like, am a caretaker. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure that that is, is somewhat of the appeal. But also it's just, like, I love um, this weird connection between flexibility and, and sexuality. Like, it shouldn't necessarily be inherently sexual. It's kind of, like, wrong that it's sexual almost mm. because – Before I started doing sex work, I was like, I will never sexualize. Or when I started, sorry. When I first started doing sex work, I was like, I'll never sexualize yoga. And here I am today, like very much sexualizing yoga. Of course. Right? You can't like have those moves and not be able to like, come on. Exploit them a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, of course there's like boundaries that exist, I suppose, somewhere in there. And my spiritual life is not completely overlaid with my sexuality and my life online but yeah there's definitely a lot of overlap so yeah mm-hmm. um what has surprised you the most about the adult industry hmm. what has surprised me the most i think i've hmm. i'm kind of at a weird point with porn i think it's been like four years now since I started and I feel like I am I I think I've been surprised by how much easier it is for me to be like slutty and really enjoy filming when I have like a stable partnership in my life which is kind Mm -hmm. of ironic I guess but I find I'm, I'm just such a romantic and I find it easier I think to um, experience that sort of vulnerability with people when I know that I have someone who like you know supports me and loves me and cares for me back at home kind of so it's a little harder for me to do porn when I'm single which I have found surprising for yeah. sure do you think that there's like some kind of deep intrinsic fear that if you meet somebody because it's hard to meet somebody who accepts mm-hmm. someone who does sex work right mm-hmm. so do you think that there's some fear in there that you know, by doing this, like if I meet somebody that and I and they find out what I do or, you know, they see what I do that they'll they won't love me. Yeah, there there that's definitely a part of it. That's an element of it, which I I, I would never be with someone who couldn't accept what I do for work right. ever. But at the same time, like it it definitely limits your dating pool in a lot of ways, which I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I think it's good to be with someone who is comfortable enough with sex work and not part of you to be able to accept it. But it's still it's still scary and and can cause a lot of fear. Yeah. Dating and and knowing that that can really put a lot of people off. And it's scary to be vulnerable about that with new yeah, people. 100 percent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I <clears throat> some of you, most of you know, I have an OnlyFans and even though I'm very tame on it and all I do is like softcore nudes. Um I don't think that I would do that if I wasn't currently like with my husband because mm-hmm. like when it's funny because when you talked about the name of your podcast being online forever, the reason that I even started modeling nude was because I I accidentally well my assistant but it was 
I take responsibility. Accidentally leaked nudes of me on my website. It's my fault. I, I <gasps> talked about it in another episode. I won't go into it, but it, it's I gave her. I didn't give her the correct instructions. We'll oh that way. my god! So when those came out, I realized immediately. Well, online forever. Like uh-huh. I can't take this back. Uh-huh. There's, there's no like backpedaling on this. So I just like doubled down on it. I'm like, well, fuck it. Fuck like, it. Oh my you know, god. I'll just make money on it. Uh huh. Um, and I was with my my now husband was my boyfriend at the time and you know I asked like, him like honey. how he how he felt about it and he didn't care he Good said boy. it was fine and then when I decided to shoot more nudes he was totally behind it and very supportive and actually shot a lot of my first nudes for me mm-hmm. but I don't think I would have probably followed that path if I hadn't been with him you know mm-hmm. been with somebody mm-hmm. who I felt like I was going to be with for the rest of my life and that supported me I mm-hmm. think same thing if I had been single I would have been very concerned about what that would have made a prospective mate think of hmm. me and would that have limited, you know, my ability to have like a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I feel like there's this narrative that is in part like, I don't know how true it is, but it feels true at times that like you're giving part of yourself away or something like that when mm-hmm. you do sexual things online. And it is just really nice mentally to have that stable home base where you can like fill your cup back up and feel like you're not just sending it all out into the ether you know mm-hmm. like I, I love my online community of people but at the same time like they can't cuddle me at night you know so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> hundred. I mean and you also want to feel supported in whatever you're doing in your life yes. right and especially something as stigmatizes yes mm-hmm. I mean that's you know that's that's a tough nut to crack and there's mm-hmm. a lot of like guys who are who are wonderful guys who just like can't get behind that get behind that for mm-hmm. whatever reason and that's fine mm-hmm. you know so it is difficult to find somebody who who's okay with that that like you actually want to date yes you know yes <laughs> um so i saw a tweet of yours about having your socials deleted on the same day a year prior and Ugh. you were listing lessons you learned including every opportunity that i thought would be my big break turned out to be a very small step, especially Mm -hmm. compared with the steady gains made from cultivating consistency and authenticity. What were those big breaks that didn't up panning out like you thought they would? Mm. (sighs) Well, a couple things come to mind. So one, one was honestly doing pro porn. Like I've done a couple scenes with scenes with browsers and I was like, Oh, I'm so honored. Like I'm with Mm -hmm. browsers now and doing a couple scenes, at least like it didn't really impact my career in a big way at all. Like, I could be wrong about this, but it feels like to really take advantage of porn, you have to absolutely like grind for a while and mm-hmm. really do a lot of scenes. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Gotta grind it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have gone on some male-led podcasts, which I I don't regret. I feel like I've learned from, but you know, I see a lot of people going on like, have you heard of the whatever podcast? Oh, yeah. I hate For to even say. For some reason that has come up like in the last couple of episodes and it's never, really? never come up before. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mean, they go viral a lot, which is so aggravating to me. But yeah, like doing these like incel podcasts, basically, even doing like things like No Jumper, it just had no impact on my mm. career positively at all. Like those men are not they're not interested in girls who look like me. I don't think if they are, they're like can be really hateful, I find. Mm. And so looking back, it's just like, oh, I thought that this would have such a positive impact on my career and my like income. And it, it just really didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm 
the things that have helped my career the most have been being consistent on TikTok and and really like working on the podcast and mm-hmm. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, now that you've been on Holly Randall and filtered, prepare for everything to Blast just blow up. <laughs> Your life's going to change. <laughs> My big break is here. <laughs> Please, everybody, go visit her profile so that is true. <laughs> Make me look good. Come on. Holly's that guy. You know? She's the gateway. I am, yes. <laughs> Definitely. I wish, man. That's why they call me Ho Rogan. Okay. <laughs> Ho Rogan unfiltered. <laughs> yes, I'm much great. I'm, I'm glad to be doing this podcast and not an incel male-led oh. podcast by someone who has nothing to do with the sex industry but is profiting from it. I just hate that shit. Profiting I really from like a negative. Yeah, from it. bashing girls. I'm just like, this sucks. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, everybody gets to have their say, I guess, right? You know, yes, they that's, do. That's the, that's the, the American that way. Live. That's the American way. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> Um, I know what you mean. I've God, I've been through the same thing where I'm like, this is the next big thing that's mm. going to make a difference. This is the next big thing. And then it isn't. No, it you isn't. have to do little things constantly. You have yeah. to go viral all the time. Like it's yeah. really it's yeah, that has also been a big surprise about the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how have those disappointments shaped how you approach your career? I so hmm, trying to think. Like about two years ago, I started a new OnlyFans mm-hmm. because I before that was just I didn't know if I was going to do this long term or not. I was kind of one foot in, one foot out. Right. And so my focus was really on making money instead of on building like a brand that mm-hmm. I love. And so, yeah, I made a new page like two years ago and have really just focused on being as authentic as possible. So I don't have to lead some double life because I find that exhausting. Mm-hmm. And on like long term sustainability, and what else was I gonna say? <laughs> um, How did you like? So you said you made a new page. Like, what was different about this? My I had a management company take over my old page, and it mm-hmm. just completely tanked my page. Mm-hmm. And so I just created a new one where I was like, the old page is scrapped. Mm-hmm. The new one is me. It's all run by me. Mm-hmm. And I started. Um, working really hard on figuring out TikTok at that time as well. Mm-hmm. So that's where most of my fans had come come from. How do you know that, by the way? I'm just curious because I obviously have a TikTok mm-hmm. as well. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know if it helps me or not. It's hard to, like, I don't know. Like, I should know this, but I don't know where my traffic comes from. I, they used to have a statistic thing on OnlyFans where you could see where your clicks were coming from every day, which it has disappeared. I don't know where it is now. Um, I know that only because... But, okay, wait, but we can't link directly to OnlyFans from TikTok, so like... How, how did they know? How do you know? I That that one I knew because my TikTok linked to a specific Instagram, so it was coming from that Instagram. Oh, okay, that gotcha. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But I know that most of my fans come from TikTok because when I would go viral on TikTok, like I would have this huge surplus of fans all of a sudden, and, and then you know mm-hmm. a month later when their subscription renews, like those people are still who are still there, I know mm-hmm. that they came from from that gotcha that makes sense yeah so so you can see like the jump Mm -hmm. and tiktok has been the social media platform that has grown for me like the quickest over the last couple years too and has built up my other socials um but oh my god what was your original question how is the how are those disappointments uh shaped how you approach your career yes so yeah just focusing more on doing oh i was gonna say i don't run any advertisements anywhere either I used to do like a lot of promo and myself for myself and selling it. And I just nixed all of that. I'm like, I just want things to be pure. I want it to be me. And 
I would be organic. Organic and, and sustainable. Like really accepting that you don't have to be growing as a business 100,000% of the time. Like you can have periods where you are relaxing and sustaining instead of like constantly getting bigger every month. Like it's okay. So yeah, that has been really good for my mental health and longevity. And yeah, I like running my business that way. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, this race that we get into like constantly be growing yes. constantly be getting bigger and it's, it's addicting like, it's a it becomes a game yeah. like over the pandemic like i was making so much money and it just became kind of a game to me almost it was a very surreal experience looking back and i'm glad not to be in that mindset anymore it was pretty alienating in a lot of ways yeah you know and exhausting yeah i'm sure definitely definitely well Sydney, thank you so much for coming on. I do have a couple of questions for you from my Patreon members that we're going to get to in a separate segment. Okay. That's okay with you. Um, can you tell everybody online where they can find you? Yes. Uh, SydneySummers.com. It's S-I-D-N-E-Y Summers.com. You can find everything there. Yeah. Fantastic. And Online Forever podcast on yes. there too. Yeah. Yes. Make sure you go and visit her links and tell her I sent you so she thinks... My podcast is bigger than all the rest of them. Yes, and then come watch Holly on our podcast. It's yes. going to be fucking awesome. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. Of course, go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered to watch these episodes streamed live. And, um, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Thank you guys so much for being here and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Your support means the world to me. A great way to show your love is to rate and review my show. And an easy way to do that is to go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU and you'll be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports and then led to where you can leave your review. And if you could afford to financially support this podcast, you can do so for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com Unfiltered. This is where you'll get access to the live streams of my interviews, bonus Q&As with my guests, access to my fine art photography and behind the scenes of my shoots, free memberships to my not safe for work website, hollyrandall.com, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, and so much more. You can watch the video versions of these podcasts at my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Join us every Sunday evening for episode premieres where you can chat live with myself and other HRU fans as we watch the newest release together. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. All of my social media links are at hollylinks.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.